Helpful on policy versus COVID-19, Professor Lucy Hodder discusses the latest. This is the legal impact the weekly show presented by the University of New Hampshire Franklin Pierce School of Law. Now accepting applications for JD and graduate programs, learn more and apply at law.unh.edu. Opinions discussed are solely the opinion of the faculty or host, and do not constitute legal advice or necessarily represent the official views of the University of New Hampshire and UNH Franklin Pierce School of Law. So Lucy, we were trying to get everything all pulled together right before we started recording, and we seems like we're just opening more and more cans of worms. There is no easy anything when it comes to this. I could not agree more. And by the day, by the hour, uh, there's more and more coming out around what, you know, several months ago, it seemed like everybody was unified in wanting to get um, approval of the vaccines and have them approved for for use, not just emergency use. And now there seems to be uh, real frustration and, and, and a lot of differences around whether or not vaccines can be mandated uh, despite how effective they've been found to be. Now, what has most recently been catching headlines has been President Biden has pushed for OSHA to enforce vaccine mandates and or testing for companies of 100 employees or more. Uh, What exactly is going on there? Yeah, well, just note that the reason for or it is is what is most concerning. It's that the variants are resulting in increased infection, increased hospitalization, increased mortality, and the people who are suffering from COVID are getting younger and younger. So there was a real effort by the administration and many others to try and improve the vaccine rates, which, you know, as of September 8th, honestly, in the United States, those who are fully vaccinated are still, it's only 53% uh, for full vaccination, um, 73% for one dose. Um, but that leaves a lot of people unvaccinated. Um, and, and New Hampshire figures are about the same. They're about 54% of people who are totally vaccinated, although it's 61% of eligible residents. So if you look at those who can get vaccines, so that's just not enough to give us the kind of immunity that, that we, um, would want to open up safely and resume business and resume school. And one of the biggest concerns is the school age kids who are some of whom can't be vaccinated, are exposed to people who are unvaccinated um, and also the caregivers. um, Same thing. And so I think there were a number of efforts to try and encourage folks to get the vaccine. And those efforts have not succeeded. And so the administration, um, I think probably from a plea for from employers and hospitals that were having a hard time encouraging employees to get fully vaccinated, actually um, issued an announcement that the Department of Labor's Occupational Safety and Health Administration, which we call OSHA, was developing an emergency temporary standard to implement requiring private employers with 100 or more employees to ensure their workforce is fully vaccinated or tested now excuse me or tested too exactly so there's an exception so they either have to be fully vaccinated or um produce a negative test results at least weekly before coming to work so it's not a full mandate it's an either or Um, and it's under the osha standard which Um, And that statute is there to protect uh, workplace safety. 
that was rolled out. There's been a lot of positive reaction to it, but then also um, it has stirred up um, controversy in terms of it being considered a mandate. We've had plenty of litigation over mandates in healthcare before, AJ. And so just recently, the Attorney General of New Hampshire signed on with states, a number of other states, 23 other states, but none around here. This is like Alabama, Mississippi, Missouri, Texas. Interestingly, states with some of the highest COVID infection rates and hospitalizations and signed on to uh, a letter to the administration challenging um, the OSHA standard as unconstitutional. I myself am also questioning, like, how exactly does OSHA have the authority to enforce something like this? Is this something that can just be mandated? Like, is there a case law to make this true? That's a great question, AJ. And it comes back to OSHA's um, authority under law to regulate safety in the workplace. And OSHA regulates everything from cleaning solutions to uniforms to um, calibration of machinery and also gets in gets in around issues of transmissible diseases. So the OSHA requirements in places uh, where there might be transmissible disease is also there around practices. The courts haven't appreciated authority under the emergency rulemaking with with reckless abandon, and they've certainly questioned that overreach. So it's really going to depend on um, whether or not OSHA has that fundamental authority to issue standards. I think you have on the other side employees who are required to go to work and risk infecting themselves and their kids and their loved ones if they are exposed to COVID. And with the variants and how um, transmissible they are and infectious they are, employees are saying it's unsafe. So the argument is there are remedies to make the workplace safe and OSHA has the responsibility to actually issue standards to enforce those remedies. And that includes vaccination and testing if vaccinations are, um, you know, if there's reasons not to be vaccinated. I mean, to me, based on the, I mean, the nature of the fact that Congress is entirely democratically controlled and the presidency is democratically controlled, I mean, basically, is this going to, if there is any pushback against this mandate going through, is it going to come down to the Supreme Court? Um, It could. I think we're going to, the rule would have to be rolled out unless they are somehow able to get an injunction against the rule um the uh if they don't win on an injunction they'd have to then challenge the rule as applied i just want to be clear though aj the biden administration's effort to encourage vaccination um, is not just through the osha order Um, they're offering employees paid time off to get vaccinated and um, trying to allow that as well under wage and hour and also require employers to provide protective equipment and adequate ventilation 
um, social distancing, et cetera, so employees are not exposed to higher risks. And I think the concern is that the employees who suffered the most are those who are low wage and work in areas such as, um, you know, meat packing plants. There were huge infections and, you know, other places where the transmission of disease has been um, substantial. So it was really to protect the workers and their working conditions um, that these measures were issued. Uh, and in places where there have been sort of low uptake of, of vaccination. Biden also mandated that federal workers and contractors be vaccinated and asked um, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services to require that institutions that accept Medicare and Medicaid mandate vaccines. And that's hospitals, dialysis facilities, ambulatory surgical centers, and home health agencies. Um, I think the hospital associations and lobby have been um, trying to get support for the fact that they don't see a way around vaccine mandates. Their healthcare workers just have not all been vaccinated and patients are demanding it. The patients have to come in with negative tests, but the patients don't get proof that the staff have had negative tests. And so you have this real dichotomy since, since hospitals and other health facilities are there for patients and patient care. How could you risk exposure of a patient coming in likely with an issue or a comorbidity to possible infection by the very staff who are supposed to be there to take care of them? So I think that's something. There have been a couple lawsuits challenging hospital mandates that have not been successful so far. You know, hey, hospital. with hospitals especially, I mean, they require their employees to get the flu shot in most situations. I mean, exactly. why wouldn't they require this? Exactly. Hospital employees um, and professionals under all kinds of standards have to demonstrate a number of um, different uh, compliance with vaccines. So this is nothing new uh, for healthcare professionals. It's, it's just nothing short of shocking that it has become such a volatile issue, especially given how safe these vaccines are. Um, so somehow it's been, it's been, it's taken on sort of a, a life of its own um, as if uh, the choice of, of getting a vaccine somehow overwhelms uh, patients' uh, right to be treated in a safe environment um, or an employee's right to go to work in a safe environment. So there are really several uh, sides to this coin. Now, since I'm speaking to the health policy expert, a lot of people in, especially in the mainstream media and a lot of people that are very left or right on the far left and far right definitely want to chalk up the vaccine rollouts to being like a complete godsend like this is something totally unimaginable and you're a horrible person or if you don't get it to the other side where it is this is an unsafe thing i'm not putting that in me um and i i don't i think it's a total mistake that people are being forced to get it <laughs> is it politics primarily do you see as being the the cause for a lot of this uh this partisanship that ended up coming around this and what, you know, what's I, also I just, surprising is there's a lot of people on the left also in like there's little pockets in new york and such where it's there's a lot of people on the, that are consistent democratic voters that are also very skeptical of the vaccine so i just don't know aj and coming from the public health perspective and all the work we do in healthcare, it, it just when you're looking at public health of communities and you're looking at the fundamental 
a way that we have for decades and generations assessed the healthiness, the well-being of our populations and the sort of legitimacy of our governments in supporting um, or promoting wellness and well-being, both for economic sustainability and all else, you know, the things that we look at is what is your mortality rate? What is your childhood mortality rate? What's the likelihood that a a mother delivering a baby will die in childbirth? Um, And these are the fundamental things we look at. How likely is it that someone in your population will die of an infectious disease? Or do you as a population protect against that? So coming at it from a public health perspective, it's very difficult to understand the response because providing basic public health opportunities to a population is so fundamental to the well-being of a population and the sustainability of any government structure that's there to support it. So for example, family planning is a fundamental service that improves the ultimate sustainability and, and, and mortality of population. Immunizations against infectious disease are another. We measure our progress by whether how much malaria or HIV AIDS we have in our population and now COVID. And yet you're seeing this political backlash to something that has, you know, we've been taking vaccines since the 1800s. We've been requiring vaccines since yeah, the 1800s. Exactly. You can, like kids can't go to public school or participate in sports and things like that without a certain level of vaccinations. Right. The Jacobson case out of Massachusetts very early on. Yes, it was a state case, but we've done a podcast on that before, um, AJ, which is, you know, states can, under their police power, say somebody's got to get vaccinated for the common good. So I think fundamentally what's happening here is not are are these vaccines a mini miracle (laughs) to have vaccines that are approved that are 91 percent effective with very few side effects. Um, given the uh, rabid nature of this vaccine and the rapid way that it's developing um, and mutating in to try and kill us faster. I mean, that's what it's doing. It's trying to infect more of us more quickly. And we're seeing these variants that are doing that very successfully. And so, you know, from any public health standard um, and any community standard that we have developed to date, we would be doing everything possible to prevent that from happening for world order. (laughs) And yet we seem to have politics around this um, that is going deep. And I, I, my only belief is that it's based on the degree to which we are all unsettled and scared. Um, That is the only way I can explain it Um, because it's affecting schools. It's affecting hospitals. It's affecting communities. Um, in a dramatic way. And so I think Biden is basically saying, you know, enough, you know, this is a fundamental role of government to protect public health. This is a no brainer. Uh, Vaccines protect the public health. And if we're going to open up and become vibrant community again, we have got to get a hold of this. Um, So, you know, also required masking on planes and other transportation and federal buildings investigating states that prohibit mask mandates in schools, free testing at all the pharmacies, 
resources to states to help with vaccines, to help roll out vaccines, to help staffing and organization so that we have better opportunity. We, interestingly enough, in New Hampshire today, our fiscal committee, uh, uh, following up on actions at our executive council, executive council rejected almost $30 million in federal relief to help our department division of public health uh, organize the vaccine distribution. Because remember, it was done a lot with the help of the National Guard when there was a declared state of emergency. We don't have that anymore. We don't have the resources. We don't have the staff. We don't have the software and the infrastructure to build on that. And the federal money that was going to help us do that was just rejected. So, you know, there's a lot of confusion um, somehow in terms of the basic understanding of the science of, of public health. Um, but there's also must be some uh, substantial amount of fear that is manifesting itself in an understand a belief that um, um, any anything that is government sponsored or required is somehow to be distrusted. Now, I don't think the cases to date that have challenged it, we have a, a case um, um, that challenged the a school-based um, mandate. So Klassen v. the trustees of Indiana University, there were students in Indiana who sued the school for due process rights under the 14th Amendment after it implemented a vaccine requirement for students. Now, that wouldn't happen in New Hampshire because UNH has been prohibited in their state law from mandating vaccines, although they are encouraging them strongly. Um, and under that policy, um, there was an exemption for um, students um, who uh, were regularly tested um, and there were also religious exemptions, but the federal district court in Northern Indiana just denied the motion um, for preliminary injunction and found that the plaintiffs uh, could not meet the high standard required to issue the injunction. And that happened again in a case at a hospital uh, where the same challenge was Bridges v. Houston Methodist. You know, I'd also want to note that the EEOC, um, the Equal um, Employment Opportunity Commission, in April, back in April, before the vaccine was really uh, in a lot of arms, they came out and said um, employers could mandate vaccines. Um, they had to give employees um, the ability to opt out of a vaccine for religious reasons um, or for a disability. And, but otherwise they said employers can uh, mandate vaccines. And when I first read that uh, regulation, um, I thought, you know what, this is what all employers are gonna do. They're gonna have to do it because they can't risk having an employee catch COVID at work. Um, the liability is just gonna be too great. Uh, you think of this, an employee catches COVID at work when there are vaccines available and masks could have prevented it. Let's say the employer couldn't have a mask mandate and couldn't um, you know, uh, require vaccines or check on vaccine cards. An employee gets COVID, uh, let's say a kid gets COVID, they both die. How on earth is liability. there not gonna be a liability associated with that kind of activity? So I think, I think everybody should take a step back and look at and listen to some of the public health discussion because if we keep getting these kind of um, variants, um, the contagiousness at the work site is really gonna overwhelm 
um, the concern for uh, vaccine side effects. Thanks for listening to The Legal Impact presented by UNH Franklin Pierce School of Law. To help spread word about the show, please be sure to subscribe and comment on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.